you got your Bibles this evening, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 7. Gospel of John, uh, not chapter 7, sorry, John chapter 17. I got the wrong one. John chapter 17. Sorry, I was wrong. It is John chapter 7. I got my things in a mess here. <laughs> John chapter 7 from verse 1. Yes, John chapter 7. So the Gospel of John from chapter 7 from verse 1 we're going to read. Now, Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, as we just opened up your word in front of us, Lord, that tonight you would speak to us through your word. Thank you for your word that is written down for us so many years ago. That it was inspired through your Holy Spirit. And that we can even read the very words that you spoke when you were here on earth. So Lord, tonight as we open this word and to read this word, we ask that you speak to us through the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 7 from verse 1. And after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be uh, known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to him, My time has not yet come. But your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I'm not yet going to this feast, for my time was not yet fully come. And when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. And then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives his people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And, Jews, and the Jews marveled at his saying, How does this man know letters having never studied? And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. May God bless the reading of his word. Jesus, the Son of God, here he is, teaching and starting to minister and there are many questions going around 
some are saying he's good. Others are saying, I'm not so sure. He seems to be, you know, a bit controversial. Doesn't quite fit the mold that what we thought he should be like. So we're really not sure. Is he speaking the truth? Is he who he says he is? Or is he false? The Bible says in verse 5, even his brothers didn't believe in him. And I thought that's kind of encouraging in a way. Have you ever tried to testify to your own family with those who don't believe? And it kind of found it sticky, isn't it? Somehow your own siblings, whether it be your parents or brothers and sisters, those unsaved family ones are really the hardest to reach. They just somehow don't quite believe in the Jesus that you're trying to tell them about. And your heart breaks for them because they're your family. Well, Jesus seemed to have the same problem because his very own brothers yet didn't believe in him. Praise God, they did in the end, as we know of his brothers James and Jude and some of the others, even those who recorded in the scriptures, the epistles that we read. And I'm just thinking, you know, the other day Alan spoke about the two yous. And the flesh and the spirit. And once we're born again, we're born of God and we're living in the spirit of God. When we speak about Jesus, we're speaking in the spirit about the things of the spirit. And as he said, it's very difficult for them, your family, to understand what you're saying. Because they're in the flesh. And so Jesus seemed to have the same problem because his brothers yet hadn't come to the revelation of who he was. They did eventually come to the re revelation of who he was. But you can understand that they saw him, you know, as, as a young, young, young boy growing up and, and, and they knew he, who he was, where he came from. That they did, probably didn't understand everything until God revealed it in their hearts. And it is like that with our own family as well. So there was a lot of questions around, is Jesus... Who he is. Someone's saying, but you know, he's doing good things and you know, he really is good. I, I think he's good. Others are saying, no, hang on, you know, I, I'm not so sure. You know, he, he seems to be a little bit, you know, I, I don't know, he seems to be causing a bit of division. Yeah, you know, there's, there's this, some are for him, some are against him. I think he's just causing division. So, so some of them just weren't happy. And we often see that today. People preaching the word of God, standing on pulpits and churches, over television, wherever, whatever media, preaching over YouTube is quite popular today for preaching and sending the word out. And we listen to these various things. And sometimes you get a little bit confused. Because you'll hear one person say something, and then another guy will go and contradict it and say, I don't, I don't, he's talking rubbish. That's heresy. What are you saying? It's nonsense. And somehow, there's this confusion. And that doesn't make sense to me. Because Jesus is Jesus. He's the son of the living God. There is only one God. There is only one Holy Spirit. And there's only one Father. And these three are one. But yet, somehow, in the Christian society we managed to get all mixed up with various kinds of doctrines. 
maybe because some people's opinion or whatever the case may be. So how do we know what is right? Who's telling the truth? What doctrine is the truth? How do we know for sure what is the truth? And Jesus gives us the key in verse 17. He says this, If anyone wills or desires to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God. If anyone wills or desires to do the will of God, he will know according to the doctrine whether it is true or false. That's probably why the psalmist says in Psalm 40 verse 8, he says, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is in my heart. And in Psalm 143 verse 10, he says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. There's something about doing God's will. That's not just, I'm doing God's will because I have to. I have to listen to him because he's a big and a ferocious God. And if I don't do it, he's going to, you know, give me a hiding or do something else. There's something phenomenally good about doing God's will. And Jesus said, if you desire, if you will, if you really want to do his will, you'll be able to tell what's the truth and what's the false. So there seems something a little bit more special about doing God's will than what maybe we think it is. And in James chapter 4, the chapter we started off right at the beginning of the week when we talked about drawing near unto God, we read these verses. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Let's go back there again. James chapter 4. Now we've, we've started off and we spoke about um, submitting to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. To draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We spoke about cleansing our hands and being pure before God. Now look at verse 13 from James chapter 4. It says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend there a year. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills and we shall live, we will do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You see, initially when we read this portion of Scripture, and I've read it many times, this, this, this specific portion of Scripture, and it kind of just breezes over your head. You know, yeah, you know we, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, we should say if we go somewhere, you know, the Lord willing, we will go. The Lord willing, we will go. But we need to understand that there is just something obviously very important about this doing God's will. So important 
that James, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, wrote it directly after telling us what to do to draw near unto God. After explaining to us that we need to draw near to God, to submit to Him, resist the devil, to cleanse our hands, and then he goes on to explain this. So there's something about doing his God, God's will that I believe is a trigger to drawing us so near to him that we will even be able to discern and know what is true and what is false. Even in this muddled up Christian society we live in today, where we have one extreme to the other. We have on the one side, we have people that believe it's living in poverty and not even riding in cars and, in, 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 you know, going still in the, what they call donkey carts and stuff like that on the one end of the scale. And then others that feel that normal commercial airplanes are not even good enough for them anymore. They have to have the biggest and the fastest jet you can fly around. This is the absurdity we have in it. And in amongst that, how do we know that is the truth? And Jesus gives us the key. If you desire to do God's will, you will know the truth. You will know the truth. So what is it that is God's will that we need to seek to do? What is this will that he wants us to obey and to do? Well, the first thing we come across in the Bible is the first thing we understand according to 2 Peter 3 verse 9 is that God wants everybody to be saved. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 tells us that he's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all, every single one, should come to repentance. And that's why the most well-quoted verse in the Bible, John 3.16, which Dion quoted this morning as well, it says, For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten Son for those who believe in him. So it's first of all God's will that everyone gets saved. That's his will. That's where we start, to be born again. And when we're born again, we come into the family of God. And uh, you will hear when we talk to each other, and you know, it's a Christian thing. You know, If I forget your name, it's nice because I can just say brother <laughs> or sister, which is nice, you know, because I'm not very good with names. I forget them, you know. It's like the... And, you know, this, the, the old lady and gentleman, they're really, you know, like me and my wife, we're starting to struggle remembering names and things, you know, and sometimes you know, we really got to think hard. And then and, and, and this, the, the old lady and gentleman, you know, they, they were away on a holiday. And uh, they came back after this holiday, and one of his friends came over, and he says, oh, did you have a wonderful time? He says, oh, it was absolutely fantastic. He says, where'd you go? He says, um, what's, what's that flower with a... Thorns and the petals. He says, a rose. He says, yes, ro rose. Do you know where we went? <laughs> you see, sometimes we forget names. But I'm so glad that I'm part of the family of God and I can call you my brothers and sisters. You know that God promised us when we, when, we left, when we left South Africa, we left our family and all that. He says, no one leaves their family. Mother, brother, or sisters, and I won't give them a hundred more. And we've seen that blessing in our own life. We've experienced that God's given us new families. And it's awesome and it's great and it's wonderful wherever you go. 
But listen to what the Bible says, what Jesus talks about his family. You'll find it in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 from verse 31. This is Jesus, what he's talking about, his own family. Mark chapter 3 from verse 31. And then his brothers and his mothers came and standing outside, they sent to, uh, calling him, and a multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see the joy about doing God's will. We truly become part of the family of God. And you know the greatest thing is when you're part of the family of God. You can go from one part of the globe to the other part. You might not even speak their language. But you can go to the church and they'll start to worship and somehow it feels like you've known them all your life. Because that's our family. We're part of the family of God. And this is how we know that we are the children of God. By doing His will. And I believe every child of God should have a desire to draw close to God and that is by doing God's will. It should be the forefront of our relationship with him. And so James comes and he gives us a warning. He tells us, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this and this city, spend a year, three years there, and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And it's almost as if James is saying, We sometimes maybe just ignore God's will. You see, I'm sure all of every one of you tonight is a Christian and a believer. Tonight you will know that when you're faced with a decision in your life, you go to your knees and you ask God to guide and lead you. Whether it is to look for a new job or to move or to whatever, start a business or, you know, the ladies if they want to get married and the men even more so if they want to get married. Really, we want God's will, isn't it? We don't want to make dumb choices. We want God's will, so we really seek His will. But James is actually talking about everyday life. You see, so we, we, we're very good at looking for God's will on the big things. But I think God is asking us to trust Him for everything. In every part of our life. You see, when, when the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to pray. And understand that for them, prayer was, was something new. We had a good session with Alan back at Three Mile Cross and we, we talked about this and, and, and you know, understanding where the church came from. It's like the church was just born. They'd come out of Judaism. Now Judaism, they had their ways of praying, whether, you know, whatever that was, they had their protocol. Their ways of and now they put in a new dispensation where they're at liberty to pray freely to God, which was something you can understand, which was probably quite new to them, that they didn't know. So they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus did that. And we know very well in Matthew chapter 6. 
And it starts with our Father who art in heaven. This is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Right there. Your will be done. Right up front in the model prayer, one of the first things that Jesus teaches them to pray after glorifying God, who is, acknowledging who he is, is the next thing is your will be done. On earth, just as it is done in heaven. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Even before we ask for provision for the day and for our lives, the first thing we should be seeking is the will of Almighty God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 143, which I quoted earlier, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Teach me to do your will. How does he teach us to do these will? John said something quite true when he mentioned your church. He said, how do we learn something? We do it again. And we say it again. Teach me to do your will. Do it. We do his will. That's it. That's how he teaches us. Do it. Every day. Every day he wants us to trust him in everything that we do. You know, when we sit down and we have a meal, all of us, we did it this afternoon, and I'm sure every one of you do it at home. Before we eat, we pray and we say, thank you, Lord, for the food you provide for us and bless it to our bodies. Don't we? we have all some prayers that we pray. But we thank God every time we have a meal because we are grateful, and that's right. We're thankful for that meal. We don't take it for granted that we got it. But you know, Jesus said something very precious in John 4, verse 34, about food. This is what Jesus said about food. He said to them, my food is to do what? My Father's will. My food is to do my Father's will. That was his very nourishment. That's what sustained him, doing his Father's will. And John spoke the other night about uh, Abraham and Terah. And Terah got as far as Haran. Remember? And then he, he got stuck there in a place of dryness. And we realized last night when we listened to this message that many of us got to that point of dryness. We stuck in Haran and just couldn't go on. And he eventually died there. You see, the problem was God had said his will. He had told them what they were to do. They were to go on and they were to press on into Canaan, which Abraham eventually did. But somehow he got stuck whether it was his cozy life or whatever the case may be, he got stuck, he got complacent, and he got stuck on dry, on, on a, in dryness. Because he didn't move on to do the Father's will. Abraham did do the Father's will, and he got to Canaan. And Jesus said that my nourishment, my food, is to do my Father's will. That's what sustains him more than eating. It's doing God's will. You see, I think the problem is we often don't realize exactly how important it is to do God's will. We think of it, yes, in the sense of our big things in life. But what God is telling us, He wants us to trust Him in every area of our lives. When we get up in the morning, 
And I know, I, I, I forget to do it. I, you know, I'm often doing things before I've even given it a second thought. But what he wants us is to trust him in everything that we do, whether it's simply just going to the shops. Lord, will you lead me? Lord, will you guide me? Lord, will you protect me? Lord, will you be? Lord, will you show me? You know, Honeyke uh, and I have often, have, we pray this little prayer sometimes when we go out, and sometimes I forget, and she has to remind me and say, oh, you need to pray it. We say, Lord, guide my footsteps. You know how amazing it is. Time and time again we pray that prayer. He does exactly that. Whether it's to find a parking space, whether it's to, to do the right thing, the right transaction or whatever it is. He delights in us giving everything to Him and doing His will. James goes on to tell us, he says, you say that you're going to go and do all these things, but you don't even know what tomorrow holds. For what is life? It is but a vapor. It is here today, it's gone tomorrow, and it's vanished. You see, we don't even know if we're going to see the end of this weekend, of this week here. We don't even know that, for sure. None of us know that. God can call us home tonight. God could call us home tomorrow. We don't know that. And that's why he says, you need to trust me for every moment of every life. For everything that you do, because you don't know. And if we don't trust him in every little area that we do, it's almost as if we're saying, ah, don't worry, Lord, I've got this, it's fine. You know, you can just, just it's all right, I'll leave this with me, I'll sort this out myself. I can just carry on doing my life. You know, I'm, I'm not planning on dying right now. You know, I'm still quite young. I'm not all that young, but anyway, I'm still youngish. You know, my mother's still quite old. She's nearly 19. She's in better condition than I am. So I'll probably still live a long time. I don't know that. But God wants me to trust in Him every day of my life because I don't know. And because I don't know, I have to trust Him. I have to trust Him. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what's doing His will. He wants us to trust Him. To do anything else is arrogance. It's almost to say as if, well, you know, I'm going to live forever. I don't have to worry about that. You know, we'll sort God's will out tomorrow or next week or the next time we have a big decision, we'll seek His will. No. God wants us to look for His will every single day. And often we make plans, you know, we're going to buy a new car, buy a new house, and we'll seek God's will. And there's nothing wrong. It's right to do that. Understand me. It's right. We have to do that, you know. In everything that we, but it's in every area of life. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds for you and for me. I don't know. And it comes, we just simply don't know. We don't know what's going to happen when I go down to town. You know, if, if your life's in God's hand and you trust Him and you're in His will, you can live in a society that might be very dangerous. Or even in the, in the society we live. Well, who knows? You can go to London tomorrow. You can go to one of the supermarkets and there might be an incident happening right there. But if you're living close enough to God, something in your spirit will tell you, don't go. Don't go. I remember an incident. We had a couple, when we lived in Botswana, out, out in, in Gaborone. There was a missionary couple that lived there, old, old couple. And they served under the Kalahari people, like, you know, the Bushmen. You've probably seen some of the movies about them. They proclaimed the gospel to them, and they were really, really fond of these bushmen. They used to go out. And this gentleman, he told me, Brother Jordan was his name, he, he told me he, he went out one day out into the desert. There's nothing there. There's no light. It's just sand, and off they go into the, into the Kalahari, four or five hours drive out into the Kalahari. 
And in this one place where he's set up, where he's put some of his gear and stuff like that, he says, as he was driving along, he saw this in his spirit. He could just see this little hut of his. But behind the door was a red light warning him to stop. He didn't understand what it is. But as he came closer, this red light just clearly was in his mind and he understood he's got to be very careful when he opens that door. There was a red light behind it. So when he got to the door, he unlocked it and pushed it open. And as he opened it, there was a cobra sitting waiting there with his hood ready to strike him. You see, when you trust God, He will protect you. He'll take care of everything. But if we don't bother, if we don't bother, and then suddenly we end up in a crisis and we look to his face and we don't get answers and we wonder why. We know the parable of the rich young man when Jesus came and he, what Jesus told us about this man came and he said, I've got everything. I've got it all sorted. I've got my barns full. I'm going to build bigger barns, put more stuff in. I'm just great. There's the, I can just go now and live the life. Go out and party and have fun. Everything's sorted. And he said, you fool. Tonight your soul will be claimed from you. And what are you going to do with that stuff? You see, nothing is safe unless it's in God's hands. That's the only place. That's why Jesus told her, don't lay yourselves up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven where nothing can touch it. We've got to trust it in, into God's hands. In verse 16 of James chapter 4, he actually tells us that if we do this, listen to the words what he says in verse 16. Instead, you ought to say, oh, that's verse 15, verse 16, but now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. That's a shocking verse to read. That if we disregard the, 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 the will of God, God says that it is evil. It is evil because we're shunning his will. We're just doing our own thing. And God wants to lead us in every step of the way. Verse 17 says this, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now I've read this many times, and I've thought, oh, well, that's an easy verse. You know, if God tells me to do something good, yeah, go do it. You know, obviously if I don't do it, you know, then pff, I know I'm probably in trouble, I've done something wrong. So whenever there's something good to do, I know I should do it. But actually we must understand that that verse is written in the context of everything. It's written in the context of submitting to God. It's written in the context of doing God's will. And what James is actually telling us here, if you know to do His will, and you don't, it is sin. It is sin. So, We've said knowing that God's will first is we need to be born again and into the family of God. And we saw that the family of God is brothers and sisters. Jesus said are those ones who do the will of God. The next that we see, it's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. I'll just read it for you quickly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, do not be un unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's God's will. So we need to be saved, and then we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we find we will be led by the Holy Spirit. So here we are, we're born again, and we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God. If we're not spirit-filled, not led by the Spirit, we won't be able to do God's will in our life. But that's what He wants us to do. The next thing that He tells us to do is in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. It says this, For the will of God is your sanctification. The will of God is your sanctification. God wants us to be sanctified. You must understand, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be sanctified. Because we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple could never be defiled. God wouldn't let His, his presence there if the temple wasn't exactly as, as He ordered it to be. And He asks us to be holy and to be perfect as He is holy. To be sanctified so that His Holy Spirit can dwell within us. That's another step of His will. The next one is in 1 Peter 2 verse 15. Now, this is an interesting one. Turn with me to uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 15. It's just past James. 1 Peter 2, verse 15. It says this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, that sounds like... Yeah, I, I, you read that on its own, it doesn't sound, make a lot of sense. So to really understand what it, why he says that, is just go two verses back to verse 13. 1 Peter 2 verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, for the Lord's sake, whether to king as supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent to punish by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise, and for those who do good. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. That we submit to those in authority. Hence the Bible tells us to pray for those in authority. So that we can live peaceable lives. You see, it's so tempting for a Christian to not to submit to authority. Because they're not Christian. They don't think like us. They are really, really evil. They have some really wicked plans. Why should I submit to them? Because God said you must. It's His will. Just think of Daniel. Understand, submit, he doesn't say compromise. There's a big difference between submitting and compromise. And our example is Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They submitted to the authorities. They showed respect. As a matter of fact, verse 17 of the same chapter in Peter says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's what they did. They honored him. Daniel, they honored him. He knew what the price was going to be. He didn't kick and scream. He didn't say, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do that. He didn't say, you know, when he heard about what was going to happen, I rebuke you. I'm not going to do that. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. He didn't do that. He submitted to that authority. You see, he was walking in the will of God. He knew he was safe. 
And as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego said, if we die, it doesn't really matter. We're just going to go with them, be with them anyway. But we ain't going to compromise. He said they never challenged the king. They showed no disrespect to him. They did submit, and this is what God's saying to us. And I think a lot of us, we fall into that trap. The temptation is that we want to, uh, um, you know, kind of bypass the tax man a little bit. You know, you, you know, I mean, they're ungodly anyway. What does it matter, you know? Well, it's part of the will of God. To obey. Because he says, what's the use? If you don't obey the authorities and you get into trouble, well, there's no glory in that. But if you obey the authorities and you're submissive to them and they come and unfairly punish you, well then that's glory because that's what they did to Jesus. That's what they did to the disciples and the apostles. They punished them unfairly and they glorified in that. But if we break the law and we disrespect our authorities, we don't have a leg to stand on. And this is why he said it is God's will that we submit to authorities. So often people come and ask you, what is God's will in my life? Well, the answer is simple. Number one, you must be saved. Number two, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. Number four, you must be sanctified. And number five, the least liked of all, you must submit to all authorities and show respect to the king. That's what Esther did, didn't she? Esther did. She showed respect. She showed honor to the king and she pleased the king. And she saved the nation. She saved the nation. And that's what God expects of us. And if you answer them that with that question, you know what they're going to say? Yes, but what is the will for, my, for God in my life? Yeah, I understand all that stuff, but what is God's will for my life? Should I take that job? Should I marry that lady? Should I marry that guy? Should I move? Should I stay? What is the will of God? You need to be saved. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be sanctified. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to be submitted to the authorities. You see a picture. If you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're led by the Holy Spirit. You're sanctified. You're submissive to the authorities of God. Now, I've got the Spirit of God in me. Somehow, probably, I'll do His will. I want to do whatever he wants me to do. Because what's in me is actually him. And in Psalm 37 verse 4 it says, Now delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you all the desires of your heart. Now I know there's some preachers that love that kind of thing. I delight in the Lord so I can ask him anything and I'll get it. That's what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you all the desires of your heart. Ah, there's a little catch to that. Who's in your heart? Who's in your heart? It's the Holy Spirit. So that probably means that if I delight in the Lord, the desires of my heart will actually be the desires of His heart. And that's to do His will. That's all He asks of us. To do His will. And that's where we get it so wrong. We think that if we can claim that I love you Lord so please this is the desire of my heart now my desire will be his desire whatever it is whatever it is that'll be my desire because I want to do his will if anyone 
wills or desires to do His will, He shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God. Now some may say, no, hang on a second. You need the gift of discernment for that. You need the gift of discernment for that. We have to lay hands on you tonight so you can receive the gift of discernment to understand what is the right and the false doctrine. That's not what Jesus said. He says, if you really want to do the will of God, you will know the truth. You will know the truth and you will know what is false. Because you're living so close to God. He'll tell you everything. It's amazing what He does. The little things where you go to tell Lord, show me where to go. Show me where to go. Find a road and whoops, there's a parking that opens up right in front of you. He loves it when we trust Him. He loves it when we give everything of every day over to Him. And say, Lord, I want to do Your will. Because I love you and I want to serve you. I trust that God has touched you in these days as he's touched me. And that's one thing I've learned in spending time just out there and preparing and, and, and listening and coming into his presence. He delights to come into our presence. It's wonderful and we, we must never take it for granted when God comes and visits us like he's done here and we just, we just sense his beautiful presence amongst us. It's such an honor for us. It's such an honor for us to know that God in all his glory wants to visit us and there's so much more he wants to do for us and he's just telling us through, through his word, guys, just do what God wants you to do. Just do His will in everything of your life. I want to fill every area of your life. No matter how small, how minute that detail is, He wants to be part of it. He wants us to trust Him in everything. May God give us the grace to walk with Him, to fellowship with Him, to follow Him, to fear Him, but above all, to love Him so much that we will do and know his father's heart. Amen. Amen. Amen.